Hello, this is Sydney, and welcome to the Holiday Moons podcast, where we share our love for the holidays with you year-round. This is Randy, and I will be reviewing last year's Christmas episodes that we did, and I will also be leading us in a taste test of Disney Christmas treats. Fun. I hope that you review our previous episodes in form of a montage of some kind. <laughs> that would be very seasonal. This is Cole. I'm talking about the origin of the wreath today. And this is Beth, and I will be talking about St. Nicholas Day. So do we have any holiday happenings for this past week? One that I know of is that we had the first snow here this morning. Now, we saw a little bit of snow when we were at Christmas Con, which was very appropriate. Um, but this snow we woke up to actually had the um, cars that were outside had a like a little thin coating of yeah. Yeah, snow over it. And, snow. But Christmas Con was in New Jersey, so right. that made central New Jersey. So this is um, Western Virginia, so we're starting to get yeah. it. Not West Virginia. So Western Virginia, not West Virginia. Not far from West Virginia, but not West <laughs> That's Virginia. right, exactly. Yes, although we've had a few flurries here and there here. And that's really all was at Christmas Con, too. Right. This is the first time I've seen any kind of dusting or laying, really. Something else that was fun was that I went to a Friendsgiving this past, um, uh, just yesterday, actually, this past <laughs> Saturday. So that was really fun. We had uh, about nine people there. Everybody brought a Thanksgiving dish, and we all kind of enjoyed that together. And I, I had your help uh, Beth in making a a turkey for that, and it was a fantastic turkey. And now we have tons of leftovers for that. <laughs> we do. It was a large, which bird. is great. We'll probably have enough leftovers to last us until Thanksgiving. We probably will. Yeah. Yeah. Another fun thing is that um, Mom and I yesterday went out shopping at different stores such as Target and Michaels, and they have all their Christmas stuff out, and it was great. We went and got some things for co-workers and things like that so um very good prices we saw thus far and um very fun christmas things for gifts and candy and just other items yeah it's a lot of fun sydney and i both get little gifts and quantities her for her co-workers and me for my volunteers at Mm -hmm. work it was just a lot of fun to look around and see what we could put in the gift bag Another thing that we do as a family that I really like is we participate in the Operation Christmas Child shoebox for Christmas. So you get a shoebox, you fill it, you choose your gender of the child, and there are three different age groups. And you take it and you fill the shoebox up with things that will be sent to them then at Christmas time. Now this is sponsored by Samaritan's Purse. Many people may already know this, but the gifts are transported all over the world to children in impoverished nations or in areas that are extremely low income. It's for kids who who may not have a Christmas otherwise. Right. So it's, yeah. It's really cool because when you donate the money to send it over, it's required to have a $9 donation. You can actually do that online and track your package. So you can see where in the world, and it can be anywhere in the world, that the package has gone. And that's a lot of fun. It is. We've done these types of things in different ways for kids each Christmas. The thing I like about the way Samaritan Purse does it is they make it very simple. Um, They give you very specific instructions. They do. It's got to fit in a shoot box so you don't have to worry about, you know, what are other people giving kids. The pattern is easy that anybody 
whether you're a kid who's got some extra money that wants to do it, or an adult or a family or whatever can participate. Right. And Sydney and I went and filled ours up last, yesterday when we were yeah. out shopping, and that was a lot of fun. Yeah. We like that. And it's not just toys. It's also, like, soap and, like, other necessities, like... Right. Um, Hygiene products. Exactly, and, yeah. So that's also um, a good donation, very fun to do. Right. And as everyone knows, this is the Christmas TV movie time of year. So lots of TV movies rolling out. There's three that I wanted to mention that we really enjoyed this past week that we got to watch. The first one was A Christmas Movie Christmas on Up TV. Now, Up TV has a few new ones this year, and actually they're all pretty good. So I think they went for quality over quantity, unlike what I feel like Lifetime did, which is quantity over quality this year. A Christmas Movie Christmas was basically a show that was making fun of the fact of people who like to watch these shows. Um, I remember seeing that. It's a couple of sisters that wake up in a Christmas movie environment. It was so cute. It was. It was adorable. I love that movie. I'm going to watch it again and again. Yes. Yeah, so it was a lot of fun. And uh, it was basically the hijinks involved in living that kind of life when you are aware of the fact that you are living in that type of life. And the lessons that you learn learn along the way. So very fun. I highly recommend it if you kind of like those kind of movies, but you also see the the campiness to them. Right. And this really focuses on the campiness. It had one sister that absolutely loved Christmas movies. Right. And the other that was a little more, what would you call that? Uh, a little more jaded. Yeah, a little more jaded. Yeah. But right. loved each other. And it was just a fun movie the whole way through. Second movie, it came out this week on Disney+. Plus. Disney+, Plus launched on Tuesday. And one of their made-for-TV movies that was included right away was the Christmas movie Noel about the kids of Santa Claus, focused on the daughter of Santa Claus, uh, who's his second-born. And her kind of journey to kind of figuring out who she is as... Santa's second child, basically. And a female. And a female. So right. the firstborn was a male, so right. that one would be the next Santa right. Claus. But she she inherited all the joy and love of Christmas that her older brother doesn't have as much of. So it's kind of funny to see her energy and excitement and, the, of course, the antics she gets into along the way. Trying to help again. her brother. And that's one so with uh, Anna Kendrick, isn't that's it? That's right. Anna Kendrick and, I want to say, Bill Hader? Yes, Bill yeah. Hader, yes. Yeah, and they're both hilarious in everything that they're in. So They are. Yeah, it very, was a great movie. Very fun movie. Uh, both of those are, I'd say, family movies. Um, I, you know, I don't think there's any issue watching them with kids. The last one, definitely, you could watch as a family, and that is Klaus on Netflix. And Klaus is the story of redemption for a... It's actually in cartoon form. The other two were, you know, live actors. But the story of redemption of a mailman who kind of learns his role in life and the idea of giving as a way to live instead of always receiving. So It uh, was interesting because when we first started watching it, I wasn't real hopeful. Mm-hmm. I was watching it and I was going, oh my, you know, I don't know how this, yeah, this can. They, they really, because it's a story of redemption, they took you down a path with the main character, which is not Klaus, it's the mailman, and kind of how just not nice he is. He's a very yeah, he's self-absorbed, a very spoiled, spoiled kid, only yeah. child. And this is kind of his story. So it takes a while for him to start to have some kind of redeeming characteristics. And for him to recognize it. Yeah. But it's it's really neat. But it was believable. I mean, you could kind of see the the journey. 
by the time it was over, I really liked it. I yeah, thought it was too. really neat. So if you start watching it and think, oh, I don't know about this, keep watching. Yeah. Because it's, it's a really neat movie. Yeah. I don't ever get tired of the Hallmark formula. I think they do that well. But you also know what you're going to get. These are a little bit different than the typical Hallmark formula. You can watch them with your family, and they're just, I think, uh, a lot of fun. They are. Yes, I agree. So on to our first uh, topic of the day. I wanted to um, go over last year's Christmas episodes because we actually covered a lot of really interesting things and, and see what things you remember, what things you really enjoyed along the way. The highlights. The highlights of last year. So that um, we have some new listeners. If they want to go back and listen to some of these, uh, that's a, you know, it's a very similar format to what we do now. So you could jump back into any of those episodes. So first, I'll just start off by saying last year was our first year of Christmas podcasting. So one of the things that I talked about is why I personally love Christmas and why I love decorating for Christmas. Beth talked about some of our family traditions. In fact, she kind of had a series of family traditions, our nuclear family, and then kind of my side of the family, her side of the family, and then friends, people we also know, and kind of how they live and celebrate Christmas. Um, as well as some fun memories along the way. Uh, Sydney and Cole focused kind of on some of TV and movie related items and songs and things like that. That's kind of the big view. And I talked about what Advent is because a lot of times people hear it's the season of Advent. What is that? Why do we celebrate it? How do you celebrate it? Um, so those are some of the things along the way. I wanted to point out a few of these ones that I really enjoyed and see what you guys um, may want to add to that along the way. One of them was Cole's Rankin Bass special <laughs> yes. episode. Yes, I, I have a special place in my heart for the Rankin Bass specials. <laughs> so why don't you briefly describe what the Rankin Bass specials are? So the Rankin Bass specials are the, it's sort of claymation, but also not completely claymation, but it's this old stop motion movies, the Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer and Santa Claus is Coming to Town, Year Without a Santa Claus, those old movies all come from the same company, uh, Rankin Bass. So they're kind of weird. They're not really around anymore, but a lot of people still watch them, and it's this animagic. And you get all these kind of like, you get Yukon Cornelius and the Bumble and the uh, Heat Miser. and yeah. Yeah. Some of the characters you know because I think they still show like a few of these on TV, but there's a whole, I don't know, there was 20, 30 of these shows that they did and some of them are pretty far out there they are yeah there are some that um like the leprechaun's christmas gold and right. stuff like that you just don't hear about but you can you know you can find and right uh there's always some rankin bass special that i don't know about that i find you know in the periphery of the internet i guess <laughs> so that was on episode on episode nine of season one so 1.9 Another topic from that same episode that I really enjoyed was Sydney reviewed the new movie, The Grinch, versus How the Grinch Stole Christmas, which is the one that Boris Karloff narrated that was in cartoon format several years ago. And she did a People's Choice game, kind of comparing the two. And the interesting thing I thought was I actually liked the new movie, The Grinch, um, a lot more than I thought I would. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I remember um, we compared it by different categories. Like songs and maybe like maybe visuals or something along those lines. Um, I printed out little um, visuals that you guys could hold up. Little, either like with signs, a new movie. That, yeah. yeah, yeah. 
or the old. And we did this actually while we were in Florida at Disney to see all the Christmas decorations there and to experience the very Merry Christmas party. That's right. So that was a very fun one. One of the ones that I did that I really enjoyed um, was the White Elephant Gift Exchange. Kind of the history of that because I really had never really looked up why we did that. The different ways. What's the difference between Thieves Christmas versus uh, White Christmas or White Elephant Christmas Gift Exchange. So that was interesting as well. Um, as well as the German Christmas markets. Beth and I had an opportunity to go on a German river cruise a few years ago. So in one of the episodes, I look back at the German Christmas markets and kind of what they were and our experience in those as well. So that, that was a lot of fun. And then um, we all talked about what Sydney just mentioned, our trip to Disney World last year, because it was during the Christmas season. And we talked about how each of the parks were decorated. We specifically went down because we wanted to have that kind of Christmas fun yeah. along the way and experience the, the sights and sounds, decorations of Christmas time. And that leads me into our, our next topic. So this most recent trip that I had to Disney was just a few weeks ago, and there was a number of Christmas-related snacks out and available. Um, and when I look at the titles of the snacks, I always think, Really? You know, is that going to be good? Is that going to be bad? Which led me to our fall-related snack tasting that we did. So when I saw some of these, I thought the same thing. I thought, hmm, I wonder if that would be good or bad. So I have a few things for us to try, and we'll kind of give the yay or the nay. These are all snacks that I got from Disney World in Florida, although I'm sure you can find them in Disneyland, because as I look at the pictures, there's a castle from Disneyland on the front knot. Disney World. So, so what we're going to do is we're going to take a, a piece of the item each. We'll try it and let our listeners know what we think of it. The first snack is going to be an easy one. It is the Milk Chocolate Marshmallow Disney Chocolate Bar. All right, so we each have a piece of it. And when you look at the chocolate bar, it looks like a regular chocolate bar, except it has these little white spots in it. So we're going to try it. It's good. There's no peppermint in there? Mm-mm. No. Nope. Just marshmallow? Just marshmallow. Hmm. Yeah. It's just a little bit sweeter, I think, than a normal milk chocolate bar. But that's yeah. about it. Yeah, not a lot different to it. All yeah. right. But I probably wouldn't grab it. Nope. Now that you know what it is. Too sweet. Gotcha. Okay. And that was, that, that was your milk chocolate, so it wasn't dark chocolate. Okay. Okay, so that was kind of an average on the milk chocolate marshmallow. The next one is the dark chocolate peppermint crunch. So this is a dark chocolate bar. So the, the top is just all dark chocolate. You don't see any peppermint. You turn it over to the bottom, and that's actually where the peppermint crunched, like a smashed up peppermint candy cane is. So go ahead and taste it. Hmm. So the chocolate itself has peppermint in it, and then you have the peppermint on the bottom as well. Not actually as much crunch as I thought it would be. It's more chewy. It is more chewy. Well, very pepperminty. And it smells mm-hmm. really good. Very pepperminty. Yeah. yeah, you can feel good that your breath is going to feel fresh <laughs> after you've eaten some of this. Right. You know, I'm usually a strong peppermint proponent at Christmas time. It's a little chewier. You think that if it was crunchy, you would be much more into it? I guess so. I don't know. I don't know. It's fine. Now, the last one of the bars is the eggnog flavored candy bar oh. from Disney. So, okay. it's a basically a off-white candy bar, 
kind of a the you know the, the normal slate flat slate kind of candy bar. It's got a little bit of flex in it. Um, on the bottom, it looks like bottom. cinnamon. Yeah, it kind of does. Smells a little cinnamony. Uh-huh. All right. It's funny because this is not chewy. It's more, it almost like crumbles in your mouth. It melts. Yeah. It melts. It's like a melt away. Not bad. Yeah. Uh, I think like a little hint of cinnamon, but apart from that, it's just a regular like white chocolate. chocolate. Yeah. Yeah, it just kind of tastes like white chocolate with... But a little lighter and a little more cinnamon in it. Mm-hmm. For you that like eggnog, would you say it has an eggnog flavor or not? No. I think if you had given me this and said what flavor is it, I don't think I'd have picked right. eggnog out of it. I think I'd have this slight cinnamon flavor. Yeah. But it's definitely a little different than regular white Yeah. Now these came in, in a pack of five candy bars. We didn't cover the, the standard milk chocolate or the dark chocolate sea salt. And a lot of times people... You know, this is kind of a nice, easy gift if you want to give somebody a gift like in your office or somebody you, you may not know as well. You know, it's like a nice gift to give. Or you can, if you have five people you want to give a gift to, you can buy it and then break <laughs> yeah. it apart. And they're, they're a little bit different than the regular kind of candy bars. Mm-hmm. And they got fun red sleeves on them that are... Snowflakes. Snowflakes. And, and the Disney characters on it. So it's definitely a very fun, Christmassy looking candy bar. So... Not fabulous for any of the three, but, but good. Good, yeah. Good. Definitely yeah. good. Yes. Yeah. So the last item we have today is the candy cane popcorn, also from Walt Disney World. And on it, it's got the same kind of color theme to it. It has Mickey and Minnie on it. The popcorn itself is coated with like a candy coating. It's got a little flecks of candy cane looking colors in it on top of it. Red. So it's got flecks of red. And pink. Yeah, that kind of red pink yeah. kind of color. So let's go ahead and try it out. Wow. Very good. It's almost more candy cane than popcorn tasting. A good combination of sweet and salty. Mm-hmm. Just a hint of the candy cane. Yeah. I think the popcorn we had from the fall had a lighter coating. This has a little bit of a harder coating, mm-hmm. so it does get stuck in your teeth a little bit, but it's not a significantly... Mm-mm heavier coating. It definitely has a peppermint candy cane kind of flavor to it. I like it. But it has that popcorn kind of mm-hmm. taste still. Yeah. Yeah. It almost varies from piece to piece how much peppermint to popcorn mm-hmm. you're going to get. Yeah. Yep. And yeah. it's nice and crunchy. Mm-hmm. I like it a lot. Yeah. That is my favorite. Yeah. How about you guys? Yeah. Yep. Definitely. Top choice. So the top choice of these snacks is the candy cane popcorn. Well, something fun that uh, a lot of people do with popcorn, we don't do with popcorn, is strain it together and hang it up on a Christmas tree or a wreath, maybe. <laughs> I've never heard of that. I don't think that, I think that might be a little bit of a stretch, the Christmas popcorn wreath. But, Probably. Uh, <laughs> it's a cute idea, though. But, gosh darn it, I need some kind of segue into my topic here. So, okay. And I'm talking about wreaths. So, first of all... Where do you guys, if you had to take a guess, think that wreaths originated from? Um, oh, that's a good question. Germany. I would say Germany. Just <laughs> Germany? because so many things originate from Germany. Not yeah. really a... I know, Greek, you know they right, used to wear true. laurels in Greek and Roman history. Yep, so you hit the, hit the nail on the, on the head there. I hit the laurel on the head? You hit the laurel <laughs> on the head. Yep, so there's a couple of thoughts of where wreaths come from. Because it's not really too complicated an idea, putting a wreath together, and a wreath can mean a lot of different things. It's possible that it 
predated the Greeks and the Etruscans, where we largely think wreaths originated from. So it's possible it's older than them. A lot of Christian historians seem to think that it predates them. But we largely think of them as either coming up with or popularizing the idea, those being the Greeks and the Etruscans. And the Etruscans, if you don't know, that's northern Italy in where you would think of as Tuscany being now. So these two groups largely popularized them in the Mediterranean basin, uh, which would subsequently mean most of the civilized world at that time, with the exception of um, some other areas, China, India, that kind of thing. But most of the world is kind of focused around that Mediterranean basin. So in the, uh, in the Greco-Roman world, wreaths were used as ornaments. They could represent someone's rank, authority, or some kind of achievement that they had deserved or earned. And the most common wreath was the laurel wreath for the Greeks and Romans. So the use of the laurel wreath, one origin of it comes from Greek mythology involving Apollo, Zeus's son, god of life and god of light, and of the sun, who fell in love with a nymph. He pursued her as she fled, and she asked the river god Peneus to help her. Peneus turned her into a laurel tree, and from that day on, Apollo wore a wreath of laurels on his head. So, I wonder if that's what she was thinking when she asked for help. I was thinking, <laughs> so this moral of this story is never ask the river god for help. <laughs> no. Because you'll end up as a she tree. Like, or she like woke him up or something. It was like, fine, I'll turn her into a tree. <laughs> that sounds more like a drunk penis. <laughs> it does. Sometimes. You know what would be really good? He'd <laughs> <laughs> never figure it out. <laughs> a tree. But then... After that, laurel wreaths became associated with uh, what Apollo embodied, which was victory, life, vigor, success. Success. So that's why they, the ancient cultures were giving them out as trophies, right? Or, or awards, in a sense, right? And it's likely that this story kind of jumped onto the laurel bandwagon that was already existed. It's really likely that <laughs> laurels, laurel wreaths, and wreaths in general predated this story but then somebody was like yeah that's why that's why that happened i didn't know there was a laurel bandwagon (laughs) yeah there was um you're just not woke enough for for the the laurel laurel bandwagon bandwagon. yeah so they were used in a lot of different cultures worn as signs of authority wealth and nobility and achievement As we see in Rome, they were really commonplace across Italy, Greece, Anatolia, Persia, and Egypt, as well as in the Levant. If you don't know what the Levant is, it's it's sort of the coastline of the eastern Mediterranean, where you would see Palestine, Syria, and Lebanon. So in other words, everyone got a trophy. Like it became became so (laughs) prolific that it's... it's, uh, Well, it was the bandwagon. Yeah, Yeah, everybody was... If you were not on the Laurel bandwagon, yeah. you yeah. weren't, you know, and that's... It sounds like they became participation trophies, is what it sounds like, at <laughs> no. some point. Because you, you still had to earn them. You still had to earn them. So then, that was where sort of our first idea of a wreath comes from. Harvest wreaths then popped up later, and that's something that is much more linked to animistic beliefs, and animism is the belief that there's spirituality in, or spiritual energy in inanimate things. Like nature and things like, like that. Like nature, 
rocks, trees. Right. So farmers would bind together sheaves of wheat or whatever crop they were producing into a wreath and they would hang it as a way to generate positive energy or symbolize good harvest or something along those lines. Encourage good things to happen. Encourage good things to happen. Not bad things. No, not bad things. (laughs) In ancient Greece, harvest wreaths were used as something that was sacred. In a lot of different cultures across the ancient world, wreaths would would be bound together with the plant, but also with something like thread, and a lot of times they had uh, ornaments on them, like gold or silver or something like that. Obviously, if they were Precious metals, right. But it is cool. As I was going through looking at different sources, you know, saying where wreaths came from, it was actually santasquarters.com that noted that some religions use wreaths for purposes that are not associated with Christmas, and this was sort of a, a throwback to one of my previous topics. But in Ramadan... At the end of fasting is marked by the three-day celebration of Eid al-Fitr, which I talked about before. And door wreaths are often displayed at this time. Mm. So I thought that was neat. Like a lot of pagan traditions, the church picked up wreaths at some point and used their circular shape to symbolize eternal life and unending love. And in the 15th century, the wreaths used during the celebration of Yule, were adopted by Christians and modified to be used as a form of Advent. So you would hang the four candles, three being white, one being pink, on the wreath, and then light them during the four weeks before Christmas. So they would also have other decorations. Commonly, these wreaths were made with evergreen, again, to symbolize the eternal life. Holly oak, red berries, a lot of times they would have thorns on them, symbolizing uh, the crown of thorns that Jesus wore when he died. And the red berries were meant to symbolize the drops of Jesus' blood. It's interesting, um, Martin Luther is associated with a lot of Christian Christmas traditions that he kind of melded and took from other beliefs, but made a uh, case for them to say this is how you could use them at Christmas time. So I wonder if the wreath was part of it. Yeah, the tree was a big part of that. It was. The wreath was part of that because it did mention that the wreath became very common under Lutheranism. Yeah. Yeah. So that's interesting because he had this like mindset for Christmas that nobody else had at at his time. Kind of like Dickens who re-energized Christmas in his time. Martin Luther kind of took it to a different place in his time. Yep. So... That is one big reason that we get to have those fun holiday wreaths that people can be so creative with and can bring us so much happiness in their sort of... It also explains why sometimes they have like the things in them, like the fruits or the like the harvest kind of things, yeah. as well as the ornament kind of things. Like they're, It's filling it up with um, other things, but there's a history of that. Yeah. Wreaths in general are something that during a period of time you could see in the home year-round, sort of as a kind of a a religious symbol and a symbol of good fortune, too. So, obviously, we should be hanging up wreaths year-round. And some people do. And some people do. Yeah, that's right. Another tradition that has very old roots is the tradition of St. Nicholas Day. St. Nicholas Day is different than Christmas, 
Both can be celebrated. St. Nicholas Day comes from St. Nicholas of Mira, which was in Asia Minor. Yep, which right? was in uh, Anatolia, like I mentioned before, so possible that he was enjoying some wreaths. That's right. <laughs> That's right. He may have had a wreath or two. He served as a bishop in the 4th century. St. Nicholas was known for caring for children in need, struggling families, and the ill. He was also known to leave coins in people's shoes and give surprise gifts throughout his lifetime, a tradition that many still do today. St. Nicholas died on December 6th, which is why St. Nicholas Day is celebrated on December 6th. There are different ways that people observe St. Nicholas Day, and I got a lot of this from the blog Mango Languages, which is just a fun Fun name name, for a blog. One of the things that people do for St. Nicholas Day in various places is the St. Nicholas Day Parade. Now, you'll find these in the Netherlands. They kick off with parades around the country marking St. Nicholas's arrival. He's called Sinterklaas, which Miracle on 34th Street, we know that. From the the classic song, (laughs) Sinterklaas Capucha, which we talked about just a couple weeks ago. We did. Called Sinterklaas in Dutch. Nearly every town and city has an annual arrival parade, usually featuring someone dressed as Sinterklaas on a horse, boat, carriage, or even, according to this, a helicopter. That would be kind of weird, but whatevs. So we have Macy's Day Parade to kick off our Christmas season. They have the Sinterklaas Parade. Exactly. That's right. Interesting. In the time between his arrival and St. Nicholas Day, Sinterklaas travels to hospitals, schools, and from home to home, leaving small gifts for well-behaved children. In exchange, children will often leave out a carrot, some hay, and a bowl of water for Sinterklaas's horse. So that's a real fun tradition. Another tradition is a boot in front of the fireplace. What's that, a boot? Tell us a boot this. <laughs> you're going over to Scotland. <laughs> so on the eve of St. Nicholas Day, which is December 5th, Children leave a shoe or boot in front of the fireplace or front door, hoping to wake up to it filled with gifts from St. Nicholas. Like Santa Claus leaves coal for naughty children, St. Nicholas might leave a stick for misbehaving children. <laughs> a tradition... Well, sticks can be fun. I was going to say, that's not a horrible gift. No. <laughs> Today, most children will receive gifts from St. Nicholas despite their record of behavior over the past year. Anything from hot chocolate and mandarin oranges to personalized notes, candy, and coins to be shared with family and friends. Unless their parent takes the stick to the child. And that actually... (laughs) Yeah, you went dark there, but that actually was put in some of the things that I've researched. Oh, really? That's (laughs) hilarious. Um, Yeah, they might have a stick or a switch to be used to discipline the naughty child. But I have a feeling that was a long, long time ago. Yeah, yeah. I have a feeling they've outgrown that particular tradition. (laughs) Another tradition is the St. Nicholas Eve Feast Day, which sounds like a lot of fun. In some countries, the eve of the holiday is more important than the actual day. St. Nicholas Eve is celebrated with gift-giving and a big feast shared by family. It's called Sinterklaas Evening in the Netherlands. There's actually a really cool Netherlands-sounding name, but I don't know how to pronounce it. (laughs) So a traditional table might have bishop's wine, bread, St. Nicholas-shaped cookies, a special main dish reserved for the holiday. In France, that might be pork with mustard and apples. In Germany, it could be German pancakes. And around the world, there are St. Nicholas pizzas, soups, and pastries. So, really? 
Yeah, so it was, yeah, so St. Nicholas Day is a lot wider than I thought. Another tradition is that there are gifts for unmarried women. In Italy, children aren't the only ones receiving gifts on St. Nicholas Day. Unmarried women also get gifts. Is it like Just a as new a reminder that you're unmarried <laughs> still. <laughs> Maybe it's like makeup gifts. or something. It's Here, like, help yourself out. Gifts of socks. <laughs> But, you know, just try a little makeup. Accent the natural. It's like gifts of, like, stopwatches and stuff. Just remember, time is ticking. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Well, there's all kinds of creativity here on this table. Cindy's so, face is red. Just from yeah, this is hilarious. So, unmarried, all Italians. So, unmarried women might attend a special mass on St. Nicholas Day and participate in a ritual where they turn a column seven times to help change their luck in finding a spouse. If you wonder why unmarried women receive so much attention on St. Nicholas Day, St. Nicholas is viewed as a patron of more than just children and those in need. He also is a patron of virgins. One story of St. Nicholas tells how he once provided a poor man with dowries for his three daughters so that they could marry well. And I read that story in all kinds of places as I was researching this. It's a very famous story about St. Nicholas providing coins for the three daughters of an Poor. impoverished man mm-hmm. whose daughters would not have been able to marry otherwise because so you have to take getting. right they had to have dowries at the time in order to enter into marriage now a less happy saint nicholas day tradition uh-huh. <laughs> i'm just looking is, at your paper right now <laughs> i know it's a visit from krampus oh yes i believe we talked about krampus before right we probably have so go check out our previous krampus episode krampus is a menacing figure who accompanies saint nick to punish children who misbehave so you're most likely to bump into krampus in germany austria hungary slovenia and the czech republic he's usually depicted as half man half goat a frightening creature that borrows traits from demons, beasts, and the devil. And I am looking at a picture, and it is scary. It is. So kids should be scared of this. So legend has it that Krampus travels with St. Nicholas, leaving coal for naughty children, much like Santa Claus. Or in some cases, very unlike Santa Claus, kidnapping them in a sack. So the eve of St. Nicholas Day is called Krampus Night in some parts of Europe. Krampus takes to the streets visiting the homes of misbehaving children. And in this blog, she goes, If that doesn't motivate you to be good this year, we don't know what will. I went to another blog called Wellness Mama, and this woman and her husband both grew up celebrating St. Nicholas Day, which I thought was very interesting. I never even knew about St. Nicholas Day. I'm finding a lot of interesting things out while doing this podcast. But she and her husband both grew up celebrating it. She has ideas for things to do on St. Nicholas Day, as well as things that they did. For her, they usually leave a shoe or boot in the hallway on the evening of December 5th for St. Nick's arrival on December 6th. And that's what she called him, St. Nick. Which is, again, very similar to our Santa Claus. St. Nick is often how he was referred to. This is similar to the idea of doing stockings, although they also did that on Christmas Day. In the boots, the kids usually find some quarters, some treats like dark chocolate or a small bag of nuts or, she said, homemade marshmallows. I didn't even know you could homemade marshmallows. That sounds interesting. Or oranges. Some things that they do as a family are random acts of kindness. And for them, this is a big part of St. Nicholas Day. 
the most important lesson from the legend of St. Nicholas is his generosity. So they try to do random acts of kindness. And some of the things they've done in the past are like drop off grocery store gift cards to family in need, give a big box of wrapped gifts and clothes to families who need them, anonymously pay the utility bills of someone in need, or wrap gifts or donate items to local foster programs. And really, for, she was saying the list of possibilities is endless, and it is. It's, you can be so creative in this random acts of kindness um, idea. And it's always a good lesson to help our children do that, to bring them along so that they understand that it's not just about getting, but it's about giving. So another thing they do that I thought was interesting was the traveling Christmas St. Nicholas or angel. And this is something that they do in the spirit of St. Nicholas Day. They start a traveling St. Nicholas. They get like a small St. Nicholas statue or angel statue. They think of another family in the area that you want to pass the statue onto and just do something kind for them. Anonymously leave the statue on their front doormat with a letter indicating that they've been touched by the spirit of Christmas generosity, and now it's their turn to pass on a kind act to another family in the area. And this is funny. They also print out a paper that we've been visited by St. Nicholas that they can post in their front windows so other other people know they've already been visited. Oh, neat. Yeah, so it's kind of a fun thing. Like if people in your area, your neighborhood or whatever, know about this tradition, it could be a really fun annual thing to do. There's some history and some creative things to help celebrate St. Nicholas Day. Sounds like we're going to have to start celebrating St. Nicholas Day. I know, That we've right? never heard of before. I know. I've heard of it before, and I knew that different parts of Europe celebrated it um, in some, with the parades and things like that. I've seen some of that online before, so that was very interesting, Beth. So thank you for sharing that. Our future festivities are for the week of December 2nd. December 2nd is Cyber Monday. December 3rd is National Giving Day. December 4th is Santa's List Day. So I guess you need to get your list together. We need Santa. them before that for Poppy and Grandma. <laughs> Poppy and Grandma are <laughs> earlier than that. December 5th is International Ninja Day. December 6th is St. Nicholas Day. Day. That's right. December 7th is Pearl Harbor Day. December 8th is Pretend to be a Time Traveler Day. December 9th is Christmas Card Day. Next week, we will continue with our Christmas-related topics. So for Sydney, Randy, Cole, and Beth, Merry Christmas! Christmas!